Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, coming at you live from town, town, Jersey City, town, town, <laughs> Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. It's great to be with you here. And uh, for everyone who's celebrating the carnival season, happy Mardi Gras tomorrow. I know in New Orleans they are planning for a big celebration. And uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, at the end of the show we will have a little nod to Mardi Gras. But here we are in Jersey City, and I have a great interview to share with you this evening. Very excited to share with you a conversation I had with Professor Joe Turo, who's at the Annenberg School of Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, longtime listeners to this program will remember Joe Turo from the September 27, 2021 Tectonic, uh, in which he was talking about his book about voice surveillance. This is a book called The Voice Catchers, How Marketers Listen In to Exploit Your Feelings, Your Privacy, and Your Wallet. And uh, in that interview, and you can go to WFMU.org, click playlist and comments to get to the playlist, and you can click into that interview um, to listen to what Joe Turo says about these devices, listening to our voice inputs and building uh, audio profiles of us. So, for example, when you call a 1-800 number and they say, this call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes, it's not for quality assurance. It's for voice surveillance. They are building a dossier on you. And, uh, in fact, there some, some of these 1-800 numbers, are, these uh, banks or whatever, are beginning to say outright, uh, next time you call, we'll be able to identify you just from the your unique voice signature. Isn't that great? Press one if you agree to this surveillance or something like that. So we had a good conversation, Joe Turo and I, back in September 2021, about voice surveillance. And I have recommended that book, uh, The Voice Catchers, since then. And then, what do you know, he popped up again in the news with a report he's the lead author on that just came out of the Annenberg School. It's called Americans Can't Consent to Companies' Use of Their Data. And if you want to see the title uh, graphic of this report, and you can download the the report. It's a free PDF download. It's on the playlist, again, WFMU.org. Or if you're listening in the future, go to tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm, and uh, find the February 20. 2023 show and you can click the playlist and you'll you'll find the link there you should depending on how far in the future you are you should find the link to the pdf and you can read this uh this this report that joe turo and his co-authors put out from uh, the annenberg school at upenn talking about as the title suggests the the issue of consent now when you use a social media site or for that matter any other site and uh you wonder what are they doing with my data? Uh, that's an issue of consent because if you don't know what they're doing with your data already, you can't consent to what's happening behind the scenes. You have First, you have to have the knowledge of what's going on. And then even if you know, if you have some sense of what these companies, Facebook or, or, or uh, health apps or 
uh, Amazon, not that I recommend anyone to, to use Amazon or Facebook, but any, any of these sites, when you see anything about privacy policies or uh, cookie, accept all cookies, all of that, you know that there's something going on with your data. And let's say that you do know you have a full 100% understanding of what's happening to your data, then you have to agree to it. Okay, so for consent, as I understand it, you the people, people first have to have knowledge and then they have to agree to what use their data is being put to. And the subtitle of this report reflects our current state of affairs very well. Here's what the subtitle of Joe Turo's report says. Uh, well, I'll read the title again. Americans can't consent to companies' use of their data. Here's the subtitle. They, this is Americans, admit they don't understand it say they're helpless to control it, and believe they're harmed when firms use their data, making what companies do illegitimate. In other words, people don't quite know what's happening, but they know that something bad is going on. And that means that this idea that Americans are consenting to the use of their data is totally bogus. This entire surveillance-based economy is illegitimate. It is illegal. Americans do not consent to what's happening to their data. For the most part, they don't even understand it. And those conclusions are pretty stark conclusions because they take aim at a, a very significantly sized uh, economy. This, this surveillance and tracking economy is billions and billions of dollars a year. And this report suggests the whole thing is illegitimate unless and until some certain steps are taken, uh, which we may get to in this interview. Um, let me just, I'm gonna get to this interview and I'm gonna play the interview for you in just a second. But I wanna uh, point also to a New York Times story that came out about this report. Uh, this was from February 7. So just a couple of weeks ago in the New York Times, it was written by Natasha Singer, whose work I always appreciate, and Jason Karayan, the headline was, Americans flunked this test on online privacy. And so basically they're talking about uh, these 17 true-false questions that Joe and his other researchers sent out to 2,000 and change Americans. And uh, they, they were just seeing, do people understand what's happening to their data? These true-false questions were a diagnostic to check the level of understanding and the, what this, uh, this New York Times story by Natasha Singer says is 77% of the participants got nine or fewer of the 17 true or false questions right. Okay, so if you look at the, the, the overall understanding among 2,000 and change Americans who were surveyed with, this, with these questions, 77% of them got nine or fewer correct nine or fewer of the true-false questions correct, and that amounts to an F grade. And that's, again, suggesting that if 77% of Americans uh, are delivering an F grade for their understanding, and it's not their fault, by the way, this is absolutely not blaming the people who took the survey, I'm blaming the companies who intentionally hide and obfuscate what they're doing uh, with the data, and if, if we have a situation where they have been so, these companies have been so successful in hiding their tracks that, that Americans, 77% of them, have a failing grade on basic understanding, there is no way that we are consenting 
to the use of our data, which, by the way, is the legal basis of this entire economy, this idea of notice and consent. Oh, we told, we, we, the companies would say, oh, we, we, we put it in our privacy policy. Anyone can click through and, and read the privacy policy. Oh, we put it in our terms and conditions. You know, you know how everyone loves to read the 35 pages of terms and conditions that they need to click through in order to use our little surveillance app. So we, we gave them notice and we had a little box there that says, click here if you consent. Yeah, right. As though that's legally defensible. This whole thing, this whole surveillance economy is illegitimate. And this survey proves it. Um, and so I appreciate uh, Natasha Singer and Jason Kryan at the Times doing a good job on this story. And actually, I have to give them credit for originally bringing this study to attention, to my attention, and, and, at which point I said, hey, it's Joe Turo, friend of the show. Uh, and so let's bring him back. So we're going to hear my interview now with Joe Turo talking about this survey uh, that was uh, comprised of 17 true-false questions, and there were some questions after that uh, that were agree or disagree to kind of get people's, uh, to, to poll people's uh, opinions about whether they uh, f feel good about this or feel harmed or whatever. You'll, you'll hear what those questions are. And he draws some very interesting and I think important questions that uh, regulators should pay attention to and all of us should pay attention to so that we can see just how bad the situation is right now. Uh, if you'd like to join the live listener chat, go to WFMU.org, click playlist and comments. And uh, here is my interview with Joe Turo on Tectonic on WFMU. Joe Turo, welcome back to Tectonic. Thank you. It's great to have you back on the show. Just to remind listeners, you're a professor at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. Sir. Yes, and you were first on Tectonic back in September of 2021, talking about your outstanding book, which I still recommend, The Voice Catchers, How Marketers Listen In to Exploit Your Feelings, Your Privacy, and Your Wallet. But today we're not going to be talking about voice surveillance exactly. We're talking about a new report that you're the lead author on that just came out earlier in February uh, out of the Annenberg School. It's called Americans Can't Consent to Companies' Use of Their Data. So, Joe, you, you led this research where about 2,000 American adults filled out a survey, a um, bunch of true-false questions, and then a bunch of agree-disagree questions. What was the intent of that survey, and what were some of the kinds of questions that you asked? Well, the intent of the survey has to do with some of the issues that, that are really facing society, and particularly the Federal Trade Commission nowadays, which is... Uh, what's going on <laughs> in the internet world that the public has to confront, and particularly the notion of consent. Uh, in America, the typical notion of consent is called opt-out, which means that if you go to a website and it's tracking you and it allows other companies to track you, typically they can do almost anything they want as long as they put in their privacy policy. In a place like Europe, it's typically opt-in, which means uh, they have to ask you. You've probably seen websites where it says accept or learn more, typically not decline. Manage cookies. We want to know, and this is not, we're not the only ones to worry that uh, the, the consent system is 
kind of broken. I, academics have said that for years. Law professors have been pointing to various things. If people go to my uh, the report, they'll see we cite people who say this. But we want to do a study of the American people in 2023, essentially, where we find out, do they understand that consent can be thought of in two ways that are interconnected. One is, does someone understand what's going on? And the second is, do they feel they have autonomy about what's going on? And, and that's a typical consent thing, for example, with medical issues. Uh, if you're undergoing a medical procedure, do you understand what it's going to be? And do you have autonomy to say yes or no? So using that basic idea, we set up a survey which had 17 true-false questions that are pretty well uh, a kind of profile of what a person should know uh, if they go on the web. They're not, they're, they're not super difficult, at least to a person who understands this stuff. Uh, and they're, they're across the board. Not everything is negative. Uh, so some of them just, you would agree, it shows companies doing the right thing. And then we also looked at the autonomy part, which is how resigned are Americans? A few years ago, we we coined this phrase digital resignation. And we, we showed back in 2015 that Americans don't really like the idea of trade-offs. But rather, instead of trade-offs, they when it seems as if they're giving up their data, because people give up their data all the time, it's not because they believe in trade-offs. It's because they are resigned to it. You know, look, I can't leave. People say I can't leave Facebook or Instagram because my friends are on it. So there's resignation. So we want to say how how deep that is. And in the, doing that, we wanted to see whether, in fact, it's possible to teach people about what's happening. So as a company, a lot of companies say, well, it's we need more education. We need more transparency. People have to read the privacy policies. What can we find? So we did this stuff, and it was astounding. Astounding not because I, I thought that people would be incredibly knowledgeable, but the level of lack of knowledge and the level of I don't know the answer was so high. I mean, so for example, and this is an important one, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA, prevents apps that provide information about health from selling data collected about app users to marketers. That's false. Only 18% of Americans knew that's false. And 45% of Americans, 45 more percent of Americans said they don't know, okay? Right, because people think HIPAA, oh, HIPAA protects my medical information. So yes. yeah, it'll it'll protect all of that exactly. weird surveillance and ad tracking and targeting and all of that. How many companies do this? I was showing my class yesterday uh, a business report where they were just by the by talking about how people can, by location marketing, can track whether you're going to a particular medical doctor for a particular medical disease. Location marketing people sell this stuff. And so uh, in that case, 82% of Americans got that wrong. This is another one that's kind of weird, but uh, true, false. Some social media platforms activate users' smartphone speakers to listen to conversations and identify their interests in order to sell them ads. That's not true, okay? We uh, talked about this back in September 2021. 
but only 16% of our of the respondents got that right. 85% of people since you got that wrong. The thing about it is that we argue if you if you think that that's going on, you may pay so much attention to that kind of conspiracy stuff that you don't pay attention to what's really going on. And by the way, our survey was not willy-nilly. It was done, it was a nationally representative sample carried out by the University of Chicago's National Opinion Research Center. So this was not you know, us reaching out to people on the street and saying, hey, answer these questions. And some of it was done in Spanish. Uh, some of it was done on the phone if people didn't want to do it online. They have a big panel. So this was a gold-plated survey and not just some, you know. And then and then we, so that's the understanding part. Uh, I have a little table in there where uh, uh, we say Americans' grades on navigational knowledge. We call that knowledge navigational because can you navigate the web and, and the practices? It turns out that 77% of Americans only got nine or fewer answers correct. Out of 17 out of 17. And the rest of the people basically got D, 11 or fewer. Only one person in the population of 20, 2014 people got an A, which was 16 out of 18. So uh, so the knowledge was bad. I think I talked over you. The, the, nine, the nine questions out of 17 that most people got, uh, nine or fewer, that's, that's an F grade. Right, it is. That's an F grade. Exactly. Yeah. And then then we looked at what people think about in terms of can they control their data? Do they have that autonomy, right, toward consent? And it turns out the answer is no. Uh, but we also looked at trust in connection to that. So the two, the two res resignation uh, sentences are uh, agree strongly, disagree strongly. I want to have control over what marketers can learn about me. And uh, I have come to believe that I have little control about what marketers can learn about me. Okay, those together, if a person agreed or agreed strongly, that means together the people are resigned. Turns out that 91% said I want to have control, which makes sense. And 79% said I have come to believe I have little control over what marketers can learn about me. And I think it was 73% of the population, if you bring that together, is resigned which is a huge number of people. And then we have things like other statements. Uh, I do not have the time to keep up with ways to control the information that companies have about me. 73% agree with that. I don't understand how digital marketers learn about me. 60% agreed. I trust companies to make the right decision when it comes to handling my digital data. 69% agree. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a mess. People don't understand stuff. They don't trust companies. And then we had a statement about harm, which is the idea of uh, do people believe that what's going on is harmful? And it turns out that 80% of the population agrees that what companies know about them from their online behavior can hurt them, which is astounding. Yeah. And then... I wrote here, moreover, 62% of Americans believe they can be harmed and are resigned. Put differently, about 6 in 10 Americans believe that what companies know about them can hurt them and that they're powerless to stop it. So this is a kind of a mess. And what's interesting about it beyond the data, which 
as I said, a lot of academics and others have been saying this for a long time that Americans can't really consent. Uh, and uh, the relatively new head of the Federal Trade Commission has said that this is a problem. Lena Khan, um, yeah. But here we're we're saying we have data to show that it's probably worse than what you think. And I've spoken to some marketing uh, people who think that it's an important survey because it does show this stuff. What's interesting is we ask people, how urgent is it for Congress to regulate how digital companies use personal information? And 79% of Americans say it's urgent, with 53% saying it's very urgent. So that, you know, again, the, with all the gridlock in Washington, uh, you'd say, well, how do you deal with this? But both Republicans and, and Democrats seem to be concerned enough about privacy that something may be done. There's a there's American Privacy Protection Data Act that's been winding its way through that some people think has a chance. We will see. We we make a suggestion, at which some marketers, many marketers wouldn't like, which is that tracking should be prohibited. The only kind of advertising that should be prohibited in the digital environment is what's called contextual advertising. And what contextual advertising is, it's sending an ad to somebody based upon what he or she is looking at or going past or something of that sort. The data shouldn't be kept. You can do all the pre-preparations that you want. For example, you can do surveys of Americans to find out whether dog owners love to take travel in, in different countries or whether uh, people who buy houses uh, like peanut butter, you know. And then if you see a person at a peanut butter site, you can give them an ad for a house, but not specifically tracking that person and not making that person the subject of a of of a whole sea of information that you have about that person. I really agree with that suggestion. Um, I think it's legitimate if companies want to make money from an advertising business model. This has been around for a long time, but contextual ads, very different from targeted ambient surveillance sorts of ads. Yeah. I think about when you walk through Times Square, you see billboards for Broadway shows. Well, you're in Times Square, you're probably a tourist, and you're just two blocks from the Winter Garden, let me show you a billboard for what's on at the Winter Garden. That's totally fine. You don't see people complaining that there are billboards in Times Square. You know that the cost of the billboard is more than the per square foot is higher than the cost of the rent of, of inside those buildings? <laughs> I did not know that. But, but then if you leave Times Square and let's say you go down to the East Village, you don't want someone trailing you and watching... Yeah everything you do and um, seeing who you're with and taking notes, that's creepy. And that's the system that we have built for the online ad business. It's all targeted ads based on constant surveillance. In my argument too, and I'm not an economist, but I've studied this stuff for a long time. If you wiped all of the tracking out and said that they could only do contextual, there'd be a lot of creativity jumping into this. And because it the, the playing field is level, I don't think anybody would, uh, the amount of money would stay in digital. It's not as if it would be wiped out by any means. Oh, yeah. And as you say, there's plenty of data analysis that can go into 
creating those ads that will make them effective. Yeah. It's not like you need to track somebody everywhere they go just to give them a relevant ad. That's just not the case. Right. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, I, that's exactly, I agree with that. And I was talking to a, a group yesterday from the industry uh, that has a vested interest in not agreeing with me. And it was actually pretty interesting because they were trying to be very nice. I don't even know why they asked me to talk with them, uh, maybe to probe, you know, how willing I was to change, which I wasn't. I said, I'm not going to change your opinion. They're not going to change my opinion. Uh, but this is a um, a transformational problem because we're at a pivotal time in, in the life of the country when it comes to digital. It's about 30 years since the beginning of the commercial internet. And do we want our grandchildren to be faced with an even greater sea of under-the-curtain data tracking them than now? I mean, the, the amount of activity that's going on, the technological capabilities are algorithmically, uh, you know, exponentially, I should say, higher because of algorithms, machine learning and everything like that. You know, it's, it's only going to get worse. That's right. We need regulation. And what I think is especially important about your report, Joe, is that you're showing that Americans want this regulation. Yes. This is not just some abstract idea. Oh, contextual ads would be nice if we could ban tracking. No, Americans are, are crying out for this. This is an urgent problem. But as you say, it's a mess because people's desire to see change is combined with their perceived lack of agency, this digital resignation that you talked about. I also like the other terms you mentioned in a footnote, privacy cynicism and privacy fatigue. People are just beset by this stuff all day and they figure, well, what can I do? At the same time, they want someone to do something. Do you think Congress is going to pay attention to this report? I don't know. Uh, we have a potential meeting with the Federal Trade Commission coming up about the data. And uh, the most we can do is put it out there and hope that people pay attention. The digital industry has some of the largest lobbying groups in the country. Congress is afraid of killing the golden egg, the goose that laid the golden egg. I mean, if you think about America's position in the world economically, so much of it is based on digital. And there is so much fear that if they kill that, if they, you know, if they believe that they're destroying that, they may destroy an important part of the economy. So they're really worried from that standpoint. Uh, I think it's important to, to say that this is at least to argue that our values are at stake here. And I don't think it's going to destroy the economy. I think it's actually going to be, make companies more creative. Yeah. I mean, to say, well, we're, we're afraid of making this change because much of our economy is propped up by this incredibly unethical and harmful system of surveillance and manipulation. I mean, just listen to the premise there. <laughs> uh, you know, we're moving into a biometric era, which was part of the reason I wrote that book, The Voice Catchers. It's no longer just tracking you for demographic purposes or lifestyle or, or behavior. Companies have the ability now to look into your body while they, while they track you, you know, facial and voice and who knows what down the line. And people give up those data partly because they want to get some benefits, partly because they don't understand what the situation's about. And then there's the another thing which is really interesting. Some companies say, oh, we don't track you for sensitive data. 
And the problem with that is, sure, there are sensitive data, but I would argue that in sense, because of today's statistical manipulations, all data have the capacity to be sensitive. Sure. If, if a supermarket tracks what you buy, and over-the-counter drugs are fair game, they don't fall under HIPAA, they can profile your health, they can figure out a lot of sensitive stuff that you don't want people to know simply by looking at what you eat. So nothing is benign if it's looked at in a certain way. Did you see the thing from CES, Consumer Electronics Show, a few weeks ago? One of the terrible ideas, you know, there's always several absolutely horrible ideas of new technologies. And one that got some headlines I covered on the show was this little urine tracker, this little puck that you're supposed to put in your toilet and it can identify you from your urine and give you a health analysis. And and why would you want to do this? Oh, because um, it's, it's <laughs> you're the expert, Joe. I mean, as you say in this report, what the companies are doing is buried somewhere in the terms and conditions that yes. no one reads. And then you just click they make it frictionless. Just click one little box to say, I agree to the terms and conditions, and then they can do whatever they want. And they say, because we gave them notice and they gave us consent. And both of those are lies, actually. See, we haven't reported this because it didn't relate directly to the data we analyzed. But I actually asked the question on the survey about this. Uh, so you are the first public person to hear this, which is we asked my, my co-authors, thought I was crazy to ask that question. And we said, if you, this is not the exact wording, if you could have, uh, if the company said that they would uh, give you great discounts, if you sent them a swab of your urine, would you do that? No kidding. You asked that. We asked that exact question. And then if the person said no or not sure, we said, well, would you give them a swab of your uh, of your uh, nasal swab, a saliva? And it turns out, and I don't have it in front of me, that almost 17.5% of Americans said they would. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's not including not sure. Oh, man. So, uh, for both of them. But so what you say to me is kind of astonishing. I didn't know about that urine puck. I have to show this to them because... Um, they thought I was out of my mind to even consider that people would do this. No, no, no. You, you asked a very prescient question. I mean, you're talking, you're exactly right that biometrics is the next open field for these marketers and these companies. And again, another reason why this report is so important is because we have an opportunity to put a stop to this now before it metastasizes. Exactly. Right. And and before our children, you know, grandchildren and, and great grandchildren consider it to be normal. And there's another point which I brought up in the voice catchers, which it also applies to this, the hidden curriculum idea, you know, which is the notion that uh, after a while, aside from all the problems that we talk about with marketing, the real method here, the overarching uh, sort of message is that the way to get along in the 21st century is to give up your data. And so then people say it's acceptable for policymakers, it's acceptable for campaign people, political campaigns, well, maybe the military should do it. Uh, it, it sort of erodes the uh, resistance. Exactly. And this is a serious issue. Exactly. I mean, I, I, 
This is why I hate the uh, facial rec on iPhones. People say, well, Apple would never misuse that, leaving aside the fact that you can't trust Apple. I did a whole show on this a couple months ago. Let's pretend you could trust Apple. Even then, I would be completely opposed to facial rec on iPhones because that normalizes that for every other device in our lives. Yes. You begin to say, well, this is typical. This is, this is the way it is. I have a grandchild who walks around, used to, now she's a little older. Alexa, Alexa. She's so used to hearing the word Alexa in the house. She thinks Alexa is everywhere, you know, which in the end it may well be. Yeah. So, yeah. On that point, Alexa is a surveillance puck that does listen into users' voices. So, to, and we talked about this and you wrote about it in the voice catchers. I just want to pick up real quick on something you said at the beginning of this interview about the survey question about whether your phone is listening into your voice and do marketers use that voice data to target ads. I seem to remember that we talked about that question back in September of 2021, and mm -hmm. our conclusion was we don't know what these smartphones and other devices are doing with uh, our voice data. The companies claim that they're not listening in. And yes, it sounds kind of conspiratorial even to bring this up, Joe, but... Yeah, I, I, have, I have heard. The thing is, my you may be right. If it's true, I'll eat my hat. But at this point in time, I would argue, we would have heard from whistleblowers and others that this actually goes on. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree that there are situations where companies have listened we could all go through the five seconds that your phone, your smart uh, device listens to you and then erases it and all. But in a, on a regular basis, the notion that that this kind of thing happens, we would know about it. Okay. Uh, you know, that's, that's my point. Well, we do know that there are, for as they say, training purposes, there are third-party contractors that listen in to yes. the surveillance pucks, maybe not to the smartphones yet, but whatever the situation is today, I still look at the precedent, much like the the biometric yeah. scanning of well, the actually, iPhone. Well, they listen to the uh, assistants as well. The whole idea, it's changing. But the whole that whole brouhaha a couple of years ago was also for Siri and things like that. Oh, you're right. So, I mean, whatever's happening today on this or that device, we have to be vigilant about where these companies want to take us in the future. And this report you've, you've written, Joe, has done us a real service by presenting uh, lawmakers and regulators with statistically relevant data from Americans saying, we don't understand what's happening. We feel helpless and we want some change. And... Um, so thanks, thanks very much for putting that together. Thank you. Joe Turo, thanks again for being on Tectonic, and um, let's keep in touch. Hope you'll be back again sometime. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst. I'll be your host for the remaining 20 minutes or so of the show. And then I want you to stay tuned to the great Dave Mandel, 
We'll be here with another fabulous episode of It's Complicated, his prog rock show. We just heard my interview with Professor Joe Turo, who's at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. Joe Turo is a past guest who had previously, in September 2021, talked about his book, The Voice Catchers. This time he was talking about his new report, Americans Can't Consent to Companies' Use of Their Data. And if you were listening at the top of the show, you know that the whole legal basis for this surveillance advertising economy rests on this phrase, notice and consent. And that's why you get a cookie notice or a privacy policy or these various notices from companies saying, oh, by the way, we're doing something, 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 mumble, mumble with your data. Please click here to consent to all of it. And if you click the button saying that you consent, of course, no one reads the terms and conditions. No one reads the privacy policy, because if you did, it would take most of your time just to read all of the legalese. And even if you spent all of your time reading the legalese, unless you have a law degree, it's written in a way that it would be impossible for you actually to understand what those policies mean. So the whole thing is illegitimate. People don't understand what's happening to their data, and they certainly don't consent to it. So it's, uh, I, I hope that this interview showed how obvious these problems are. And as I said at the end, Joe Turo and his, uh, and his fellow uh, co-authors deserve a lot of credit for doing the research, doing the data analysis, and bringing this to our attention, and I hope bringing it to regulators like the Federal Trade Commission and, and maybe others uh, in Washington to say, hey, here is some feedback from Americans themselves. They, their responses prove that notice and consent does not work, and so we got to turn this off. And as for next steps, as I promised at the beginning, uh, we did get to next steps, and the one that Joe and I well, Joe, uh, Joe gets credit for, uh, for um, offering this suggestion, and I completely agree with him, that we should ban uh, targeted ads. We, th this idea that when you go to a website and uh, maybe, you, maybe you search for something or maybe you're, you're navigating around a website, maybe it's a store or search engine or social media site, doesn't matter, or if you're on, a, on an app, let's say, um, that whatever activities, whatever actions you take, uh, then build a dossier on you that then follows you off of that site, off of that app, elsewhere, onto the internet. And so it's like someone is just following in your footsteps right behind you, taking notes with a little notebook on everything that you do with their creepy little uh, surveillance tracking. That's, I mean, I mean, if you just think about it, of course it's wrong. It's ethically wrong. We would never accept this in real life, and yet that's what we've built this entire economy on. So we need to ban that. That needs to become illegal. And uh, the big tech beasts, these unethical beasts in, in Silicon Valley, um, the, these, these awful companies like Google, Meta, uh, and uh, Amazon would all say, oh, th th that's, that's terrible. They would imagine, imagine the, the force of the lobbying that they would put on against this. To, uh, to oppose any ban of targeted, creepy surveillance ads. Uh, 
But if, if, if the good team, we're the good team here, if we were able to prevail, uh, then those businesses would have to change, as Joe Turo says. They would not go under. They would simply change so that they were using contextual ads instead. Uh, and it is possible to run an advertising-based business on contextual ads. A contextual ad is just, as Joe Turo said, you ser I forget exactly the, um, the example he gave, but you search, if you're on a search engine or a social media site and you search for Hawaiian vacation and then you get on that page ads for Hawaiian vacations, that's okay. You expressed interest in that context and that context then is reflected back on that page. That's okay. That's the purpose of advertising after all. But then to stop the tracking and not to follow the person around for the rest of their life saying, hey, buddy, you want a vacation, want a vacation, want a vacation, want a vacation? Shut up! <laughs> uh, contextual ads is, is, is fine. It's the targeted ads that need to be banned. So totally agree with this report. I recommend that you take a look at it and you can take the quiz. You can take these 17 true-false questions if you go to the playlist and you can download this PDF, it's a free PDF download. Thank you to the Annenberg School for making it available to all of us. And you can take these, uh, these survey questions yourself. However, here we are at Tectonic and we have 15 minutes left. And I thought, I thought friends, why just talk about the survey? Why don't we take some of these survey questions together, okay? Uh, this is a little bit like our morning show, Wake and Bake, hosted by the great Clay Pigeon, where I'm going to read off and I'm going to say, who got them all right? Please post to the, to the comment board if you got them all right. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to read you some questions and uh, you, can, uh, you can play along. It's, it's like Tuesday morning trivia with, uh, with uh, Joe Magasco's trivia, music trivia questions, except this is going to be tectonic privacy trivia, thanks to Joe Turo and the Annenberg School at UPenn. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to read you a couple of these. Uh, I'm going to read you a couple of these questions, and, I, and they're all true/false. Okay, and I want you to. You can either either post to the comment board at wfmu.org, or you can just say it out loud to yourself and check if you got it right. Here's the first question: True or false? When I go to a website, it can collect information about my online behaviors, even if I don't register using my name or email address. Okay, can a, can a website track you even if you don't register with your email address? This is an easy one. 71% of the respondents got this correct in Joe Turo's research. Uh, it is true. Of course, websites can track you even if you don't enter your name or email address. Okay, next one. A smart TV can help advertisers send an ad to a viewer's smartphone based on the show they are watching. Is that true or false? Can smart TVs, you know what a smart TV is, is TV, most TVs now are smart TV, uh, and smart is a misnomer, it should be surveillance. So a surveillance TV is connected to the, the, uh, the users or the customer's uh, home Wi-Fi generally. And it says, oh, that's purely for your convenience, so we can give you these value-added apps. No, it's not. A surveillance TV is designed for surveillance. And so, true or false, can a surveillance TV surveil you as advertisers want to surveil you with ads to surveil you? Yes, 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 it's all true. <laughs> a surveillance TV is there for surveillance. So, yes, they can send an ad to your smartphone, that is to say, to your surveillance phone, based on the TV show you're currently watching. Okay, next. 
uh, and 55% of people got that right. So there's some pretty good fluency around surveillance TVs. That's good to see. Next, true or false, a company can tell that I have opened its mail, sorry, a, co a company can tell that I have opened its email even if I don't click on any links. Is that true or false? This is a tough one. Think about it. If you get an, an email from a company, some, some online store or one of the big tech giants or some toxic social media service, even if you don't click a link, can the company tell that you opened the email? The answer is yes, that is true. A company can track you if, if you open their email, even if you don't click anything. There are exceptions. There are certain, uh, there are certain email programs or email services that'll strip out those trackers. Uh, but for the most part, if you use m most email programs out there, you will be tracked by those emails. And the tracking, there's a little uh, tracking pixel. I won't get into the technology. But anyway, they can tell if that uh, pixel was loaded up. And so then they know if you opened it. Next, number four, true or false. When a website has a privacy policy, that means the site will not share my information with other websites or companies without my permission. Okay, so think about it. Think about privacy policies. So when you see a website has a privacy policy, does that mean that the site will not share your info with other sites or companies without your permission? True or false? Ding, 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 ding. The answer is false. False. And this, this is an important one, friends. Privacy policy is a misnomer. Just like smart TV and smartphone, those are misnomers. They should be called surveillance TVs and surveillance phones. Privacy policy should be called a surveillance policy because there often is no privacy allowed in privacy policies. They are not talk. I mean, it's such a, it's such a marketing term. Who came up with that? Let's call it a privacy policy. This, this bunch of legalese gobbledygook where we're actually uh, compromising and exploiting people's privacy. Yeah, let's call that a privacy policy. Uh, that's, it's, it, uh, it's, just, it's just amazing that they get away with this. Anyway, uh, a privacy, the existence of a privacy policy does not mean anything. All it means is that a lawyer might be able to read through those terms and tell exactly how your privacy is, in fact, being exploited. Of course, of course, there are exceptions. There are some companies out there that have a privacy policy that's written in plain English that's, or whatever the local language is that says, by the way, we don't use any of your information for anything. We don't surveil you. We don't do this. We don't do that. Uh, don't worry. We don't make our money from surveillance, the end. And that's, those are, that's a minority of, of organizations out there, but they do exist. But for the most part, when we're talking about the big tech giants uh, or, or um, most of the VC-funded startups out there, when they say privacy policy, they mean this is the policy that outlines how we will exploit and try to destroy your privacy. Okay, that's number four. Question number five. It is legal, true or false, it is legal for an online store to charge people different prices depending on where they are located. That's an interesting one. Okay, so this one isn't, isn't so much about uh, taking your information and selling it off to shady data brokers, like some of, some of the other questions refer to that kind of practice. This is one, this is a very specific question. On an online store, is it, is it legal for them to look at your location and change the prices 
of the products or services, whatever it is, on the fly based on where you're located. Oh, you're you're located in in New York City. Ooh, big spender. So let's raise your prices. Oh, you're you're in some uh, low cost of living area somewhere else in the country. Okay, we'll, we'll decrease those prices so that we can try to get the sale. Is that legal? The answer is yes, it is legal. True, true. So when you go to online stores and you or stores, I'm talking about it broadly, stores, marketplaces, you, anytime you see a price, you're shopping for any kind of product or service online, you don't know if that price is the same as someone else's price elsewhere in the country. How about that? Uh, if that doesn't creep you out and, and make your hair stand on it. So you don't know anything if, it's, if, if the asymmetry is so great that they can change the prices on the fly without even telling you, without your even knowing that that's happening. Okay, so that's number, what was that? Three, four, five, that was five. Um, and, and that was true, and only 38% of respondents got that one correct. So not too many got that right. Okay, let's go on. Number, what is, what is this? Number six. But I'm not going to do all 17, by the way. Number six, true or false? By law, a travel site such as Expedia or Orbitz that compares prices on different airlines must include the lowest airline prices. Is that true or false? That's an interesting one because the whole point of going to an Expedia or an Orbitz is they say if you're going to uh, look up a flight from New York to Memphis or something, uh, and it, and it, the default sort is always the lowest price flight, or, or is that, it, it depends. I guess they, sometimes they do earliest to latest. But anyway, they make a big deal about what the prices are between the different airlines. And th the thinking being that given, uh, given a route and a time that's convenient, most people are probably going to choose the lowest cost option. Question is, is that lowest cost option actually the lowest price? Or would you have to go to each individual airline site to verify that? Um, so what do you think? Is it by law, a travel site like Expedia or Orbitz has to include the lowest airline price? Is that true or false? The answer is, that's false. That's false. They don't have to give you the lowest price. Just like stores can change the price that you see based on where you're located, and I'm sure these two things can combine, meaning that uh, Orbitz and Expedia can change the flight cost based on where you are and who knows what else they know about you that may change the price of the flight. I don't know. I should do a show on, on pricing. Uh, but this is just, I'm just reading this from the Annenberg Schools report. So that was false. Let's go to the next one. In the United States, the federal government regulates the types of digital information that companies collect about individuals? This is a very simple question. Is it true or false? In the US, the federal government regulates the kind of digital info that companies collect. Is that true or false? Is there regulation on what companies collect on you? Is there regulation true or false? Yes or no? The answer, and I wanna, I wanna tell you that only 24% of the respondents got the correct answer. Only 24%. The answer is false. No, there is no regulation. This is the whole point that we're trying to bring up. There is no regulation that's protecting you from the predation of trillion dollar companies that want to exploit your and your kids and your neighbors and your friends and family's privacy. 
There is no regulation. Can you believe that? There is no regulation. And people do not know this. The whole idea of notice and consent is bogus. Next, Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act ensures that digital platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, there's a rogues gallery for you. That's just my uh, commentary I'm adding in. Digital platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube can be held responsible for illegal content posted on their platforms. Okay, so we've talked about Section 230. Some of you know the answer already if you've listened to past shows on Section 230. This is a part of U.S. law, Section 230, part of the Communications Decency Act. Does it, yes or no, does it allow Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to knowingly post illegal or allow to be posted illegal content? This is to say disinformation, um, let's say uh, marketplaces for illegal drugs, maybe human trafficking, uh, rare animal, rare species trafficking. Uh, true or false, does, does Section 230 allow them, I'm just reading this again, can they be held responsible for illegal content posted on their platforms? The answer, only 19% of people got this right. The answer is no, they cannot be held responsible. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube cannot be held responsible under U.S. law for illegal content posted on their platforms. This leads to an enormous amount of problems, harms, and even death, and they cannot be held responsible. It's because of that stupid law. Finally, HIPAA, and we talked about this. I think you know the answer. HIPAA, Americans know this. People outside America may, may not know this. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. This is this Health Privacy Act. Everyone says, oh, it's HIPAA. My data is protected. Does HIPAA pre prevent apps? Sorry, let me just read this. The HIPAA, true or false, prevents apps uh, from selling data collected about app users to marketers. Does HIPAA protect your data from being uh, sent along to marketers? And the answer is no, it does not. HIPAA does not provide protection. Once again, there is no regulation when we need it. And I'll leave you with that, friends. Uh, we, we need to make room for the great Dave Mandel coming up with uh, It's Complicated, his prog rock show. And um, I hope this has given you some inspiration to do something, at least read about what's happening to your data, and maybe we can make a change in this country that's so so desperately needed. You're listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know what to do. Avoid Apple, abandon Amazon, forget Facebook, and whatever you do, get off Google. And hey, by the way, happy Mardi Gras.
And good evening. We almost we almost began tonight's show with the wrong Yes song. You know, you <laughs> heard one Yes song, you heard them all, really. But welcome. My name is Dave Mandel. This show's called It's Complicated. I'm here every Monday evening between the hours of 7 and 8. Thanks for joining me. I am going to begin tonight's show with a couple of uh, vaguely related piece, vaguely related groups. We're going to start off with something from a group called the Enid, a, a British and English band, uh, early 70s. I think they were founded in 1973 or so, although we're going to hear something from 76. Wow, like very late, late, <laughs> early Prague. So we're going to hear something from the Enid. Now, the, the, um, the founder, the founding member, the leader, I guess, of that band, the Enid, was a guy named Robert John Godfrey, who also was a member of Barclay James Harvest, a much better known prog band. And I, I don't believe I've played Barclay James Harvest yet on the show. So we'll fix that just in just a few minutes. So we're going to hear something from the Enid, and then we'll hear something from Barclay James Harvest. <laughs> 